Big welcome um, to everybody joining us. This is our 12th webinar. I'm Jenny Stanley, Managing Director and Founder of Appetite Creative. So a big welcome to everyone who's joining. Uh, we'll just let you come in through the doors. And as you do, um, I'll just tell a little bit around some admin. This is definitely going to be an interactive session. So we want to hear from you. We want your questions and answers. So feel free to write them into the QA box which you should be able to find either below or in the right-hand side, depending on your setup. And then we can answer, well, we can answer or try to answer your, your questions today. Um, another question that we're always asked is, will this be recorded? Yes, it will. And we will send the link around to everybody who's registered and signed up. So if you've registered, don't worry, the link will be with you in a couple of days after. So we're here to talk about the power of earned paid media. We're here with some fantastic experts from the industry. So I'm just letting a few more people come in before we get kicked off. Um, welcome, welcome Jack, Maria, Nick, lovely to see you here. Just was wanting to also let you know that this is interactive, so please do ask your questions in the box and we'll get those over to our panelists today as well. Regarding the interactive sessions, I'm also very proud to announce that today Appetite Creative has launched its new virtual event management, um, offering B2C and B2B clients services like this as well. So we have the opportunity to help you host um, professional events like this. Let us know if you want to know anything more about it. So jumping to today's subject, we can't discuss digital marketing these days without mentioning media. This has become one of the main components of the digital marketing strategies across all industries across the world. To discuss the pros and cons and the multiple strategic business applications of each type of media, I'm really glad to host, alongside Victoria Asher, CEO and founder of Ginger May, the industry experts, Vanessa Goffew, Marketing and Comms Director at TAG, Michael Nevins, Chief Marketing Officer at Smart Ad Server, who will be discussing the so famous PESO model. The PESO model, taking our four media types, paid, earned, shared, and owned, and merging them together. We'll be looking at its, comp its components and their testimonials on how their businesses approach each type of media. In the second part of the day, today's webinar, I will be talking with Jeremy King, CEO of the Festival of Media, and co-founder of Gameface, and also with Car Caroline Lucas-Conwell, Global Demand Generation Lead at Checkout.com. We will be looking and discussing at some of the most recent changes in the digital media panorama and its effect on their businesses, their business's strategy, as well as the latest industry trends, while forecasting and taking a look at the future of media for local and global brands. But before we start talking with Vanessa and Michael, I'm going to call Victoria Usher to our virtual stage. And we're going to start with today's session with an interactive poll. So please be ready to answer on your screen. The first question is, what is the type of media that your business uses the most? You should be able to see on your screen a poll. And we'll give them a few minutes to answer. And I will hide into the background. And we shall leave the stage to you, Victoria. Thank you very much, Jenny. Uh, great to be here, as always. Love these events. Um, it's a really interesting one to be talking about. Uh, peso, peso. Uh, Jenny's Spanish, so maybe she's um, also pronouncing it differently from me or lives in Spain. Um, it's an interesting model. Um, it's gaining more traction um, because of because of the popularity of the way that it's spit out. So it's going to be an interesting discussion for me. Um, Vanessa and Michael are industry experts. They they will introduce themselves in a moment and talk about their own areas of expertise. Um, but I want to talk about the Pacer model uh, first of all and, and what it is and how it's evolved. Um, so for those of you that um, that may have heard of it, it's it's a way essentially of looking at all of your marketing channels together. Um, but separating them out so that you can actually see the different elements of them and, and how each of them contribute to success within your business. So um, as Jenny said earlier, it's paid, 
earned, shared and owned. Now, the bit that's actually been added on to that really is the shared part of the model. So it used to be paid, earned, owned. Um, and the shared element is obviously social media channels. And, and that really is because um, social media is now being seen as such a, an important um, part of the marketing mix. It, it's needing to be broken out and actually taken as a, as a channel within its own right. Um, so it, it's an interesting one. Some marketers are adopting it as a model to look at and analyze and uh, a measure. Others kind of broadly look at it. Some are completely ignoring it, hence why we actually want to actually look to see what two marketing experts are doing within their business, um, whether it's actually worth even looking at, whether it's useful. So it's really just starting from the ground up. Um, because it's a debate we haven't seen much of it and we really want to dive into this a little bit more. So um, I'd like to introduce Michael and Vanessa. Um, and would each of you just um, tell our audience um, a little bit more about your backgrounds and what you do? Don't know who wants to go first on that. I defer to Vanessa. Good <laughs> <Thank> choice. <you. laughs> um, hi, everyone. My name is Vanessa Goffew. Um, I'm currently the marketing um, and comms director at TAG, the Trustworthy Accountability Group. Um, previously, um, I set up my own marketing and design consultant with my husband, Goffew. And then previous to that, I was the marketing director at Bidstack. So, um, in-game advertising, advertising media, all of that kind of stuff, um, had a little bit of a hand in. Michael? Well, first, thanks uh, for having us. Um, I'm excited about this. So uh, thanks to Jenny and Appetite and to you, Victoria, for uh, making it work here. And um, happy to be joining the other good panelists. So this is cool. Um, so I'm Chief Marketing Officer. I'm Michael Nevins. So I think that part uh, is established. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at SMART. And we're a global ad tech platform for advertisers, publishers, content owners, and uh some retailers in some case, online retailers. And uh, I'm CMO, so I'm lucky I, I lead a team, a fantastic team of marketers. I hope some of them are watching and I, they notice my emphasis on fantastic. Um, uh, you know, our, <laughs> they are, you know, some of them, so you'll know. Uh, their responsibilities range from uh, internal communications, including product marketing, all the way over to external comms, such as public relations. So we do really do the full gamut of, of marketing um, at Smart. Um, my background, 20 years in advertising, media, tech, the last 10 in ad tech. Uh, my first career was in the music industry on, on the business side. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. That's great. Okay. So before I ask the first question to you both, um, I just, I've actually got the results of the question, the poll here. Um, so uh, the results are drum roll. Um, so earned is 18%, paid is 55% and owned is 27%. So really interesting. And the question again was, it was the main main part of peso so actually paid is quite a big part of what a lot of people are doing so um let's um we'll, we'll kind of bear that in mind because i've got some views on that uh, although it's not being interviewed here so i can't give them too much um so let's let's crack on with the first question before i dive into that we can come back to it um so i'm actually going to start with vanessa and um vanessa so i'd like to ask about peso within your organization so um the emphasis and importance so what what emphasis and importance do you place on each of the four uh, areas of peso um paid earned shared and owned sure so with tag um we are extremely fortunate in terms of um advocacy from our members so a lot of our members um invite us to um, speak or to do some sort of joint um, media opportunity. So our emphasis really is on earned uh, for sure and on um, shared and um, own as well. God, mind blip. Which one was missing, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, mind blip. So I think, with, yeah, with an organisation like TAD, uh, TAG who are, um, you know, establishing global standards for local markets, um, it's really about um, advocacy from local teams, advocacy from local uh, companies, regional companies as well, who are um, wanting to fight, um, you know, against digital criminal activity. And, and because we work 
really closely um, with the powers that be, sometimes the government um, as well. Um, and because of just, just where we are in terms of an organisation between being the bridge between the advertising industry and um, local governments as well, we just so happen to sit there. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of my experience of peso, that doesn't that isn't always the case where um, a business is lucky enough to be in that kind of area where they're constantly being asked um, or um, invited to do joint um, you know media activities. Um, I think it really is dependent on the business and the organisation. So this would be quite a lot of probably press activity, right, where you're asked to do press announcements and that kind of thing of partnerships. Yeah, press announcements, um, original content, whether it's bylines, blogs, um, you know, comments, news jack, all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, ta- we at TAG have been extremely um, lucky and extremely thankful to all of our members for inviting us um, and thinking of us um, um, to do all of these um, amazing announcements. Got it. Absolutely. Okay. And Michael, same question to you. So uh, which emphasis you place on each of the four channels? Yeah, it, it depends on what we're trying to get done. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I think about, I like the PESO acronym because I used to lump uh, shared in with owned, thinking mm-hmm. that, okay, well, it's our Facebook presence. It's our, you know, Twitter presence, LinkedIn presence, et cetera. We have some control over them, but I like breaking it out into shared. It makes it uh, into PESO because it makes it a little bit more uh uh, it makes it easier to explain to people, um, you know, outside of the marketing team. Uh, so I use them to varying degrees in different ways. And I, I'm a musician, so I sometimes use the analogy of a band. Uh, we couldn't have guessed that, actually. Yeah, you, I can't think clear. Say this that. fake background is not has not made that clear. Yeah. You know, I have yeah. to work on that. Um, and you know, you could also use the analogy of an ensemble cast, if you will, in, in a film. So each one of these channels needs to play a role. I, or I shouldn't say needs. For us, each one of them plays a role is a better way to put it. And I think the the success comes from being able to get them all to play together effectively. And mm-hmm. so while I may make a strong investment in a certain paid channel, my biggest one is events. Um, you know, each one of those um, should, you know, enhance the other. And so I like to think about how I can get them all to play well together. And so just like with a uh, in a band, like your lead singer may be the most, uh, you know, important thing objectively. Um, the lead singer doesn't sound particularly good if the band isn't really well rehearsed, collaborating well, improvising well, and bouncing off each other and right in the ways that are um, as you know effective as possible. So I like to think that they all enhance each other. So um, you know that's how I think about it theoretically, and you know we can get more into the practical stuff um, if you like, but that's the way I approach it. You know the, the emphasis is more situational for this particular thing. The emphasis is here, but what are the supporting cast members? What are the supporting you know band players who can who can join? Um, and often that's driven by the is this a product announcement? Is it a thing about brand? Is it about driving transactional meetings for salespeople? You know all those things can change my view of any particular uh, channel at that time, but ideally I'm getting them all, you know, all working together. So presumably, are you planning this in like at the beginning of the year when you're doing a marketing plan? Um, you may, are, are you breaking it out into the peso areas or does it just so happen that you're, you know, like with paid, I presume you're, that will have to be a year's planning ahead, right? And some of the other things like earned will just come in. Yeah. To play. So yeah. that's a good question. Um, so for some things, clearly, if I'm going to go to Can Lions, which is something historically we've invested in, or CES or New Mexico, those are our big sort of tentpole paid uh, uh, opportunities and you know paid channels and our biggest events. And so those things have to be planned long in advance. But it's understood from the beginning by my team that there will need to be a content marketing component, a uh, you know, an earned media component, et cetera, et cetera, social, of course, um, that um, supports these things, um, you know, at, a, at something like a, uh, at a big event like Can, it's not just having our big boat there and being very, very visible, you know, visible and having the brand uh, be active there. It's also, what else can we do to eke as much value out of this investment as possible? So that 
ideally means social, of course, we're sending, you know, sharing photos, we're hosting panels on the boat itself. So we're not only hosting panels for the sake of the event, but we're using that to create content and that content then gets shared on social and maybe turns into white paper later, or there's a quote from an event that gets used later. So a lot of it is sort of mixing those things up and trying to leverage uh, bits of them all with each other. So I hope that that helps. It does. And and I can see Vanessa nodding a lot with that. So it sounds like you've had a similar experience, um, Vanessa, with with your marketing in terms of kind of leveraging one channel and then, you know, pulling the others in. So like a a paid event, you know, and then you're leveraging other in like your shared, et cetera, which would make sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Michael pretty much nailed it, you know, right on the head. Um, I think when it comes to paid, opportunities it really as Michael said it really is about stringing all the different relevant channels for that specific paid opportunity and what works so if it is an event um what again what social activities are going to happen are you going to be running a competition how are you going to make it interactive engaging um how are you going to try and draw more of your target audience to come to you to come find you um with the view of if it's lead gen or networking opportunity how are you going to be able to create those opportunities for your external team um to make that connection have those meaningful valuable um conversations to happen whilst you're at that location um so yes absolutely and also longevity as well so michael touched upon white papers so if you're let's say you're at an event are you going to have a videographer are you going to have a photographer that's also an investment um you know quotes white papers research um that that sort of thing are they going to live on your website are they going to live on your social media channels are they going to you know live live on youtube how are you going to be able is there um a way for you to cut it a million times and still for it to look like fresh pieces of content every time you reuse it um so yeah there's a lot of kind of considerations um um, for you to string a really nice plan together for that um, paid opportunity for sure. And actually just, just picking up on that paid opportunity, it was one thing that you mentioned that you weren't particularly doing a lot at TAG. Is that just the nature of the business? You don't yes. need to or don't want to? Um, no, no, no. It's, yeah. it's the nature of the business. Um, again, because we have um, a lot of members who want to do something in collaboration with us. There hasn't been a real need for us to do paid. Um, but with previous businesses that I've been, um, you know, a part of, whether if it's Bidstack or IOTech, um, there were a lot of paid opportunities um, that we did for sure, simply because um, whether businesses were, I mean, um, IOTech at that point, um, for those of you who don't know IOTech, they were a small UK-based uh, DSP who are, have been now uh, been absorbed by Silver Bullet. Um, the market for DSPs are extremely saturated. So in order for us to differentiate ourselves and in order for us to you know make noise about what we do and our technology and platform, we had to, there was absolutely no way um, well, not absolutely no, but there was a very small chance that we were going to get any sort of and a shared um, opportunities come our way through our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if anything, we did a lot of, you know, we did some paid um, work um, and tried to rope in our clients to help um, with us. Mm-hmm. Um, for Bidstack, let's say, no one knew who Bidstack really were. Um, and when I started there, people still thought that Bidstack were a digital out of home business when in actual fact, 18 months prior, they pivoted the business to purely in-game advertising. So it's re- so for them, it's really about establishing their status within the industry because it they didn't have it at that point. Whereas TAG, um, they do have that um position within the market that everyone knows who they are everyone understands the importance of why tag is here and why standards are so important uh, for us to um continue to be self-regulated got it um and can i just uh, remind the audience by the way do please do ask questions because we've not had any posted yet so i will ask that to, uh, questions to michael and vanessa if you post them up um okay so any any of these channels that hasn't worked well for you? Have you had experiences, poor experiences with them where they haven't worked? 
obviously not earned because that's been brilliant so but all of the others I, I've had a couple of stinkers <laughs> yeah, <for sure>. yeah. <laughs> um, but they the, the stinkers really were down to preparation and the lack of it um but um I won't go into specifics of what stinkers they were um but yeah mainly the ones that didn't work so well was because of lack of preparation oh these were events weren't they um not necessarily well a major event and also um content opportunities as well so paid content too yeah Yeah. what about you michael well i would say that the most i think most of the the I I hate to use the word failures, the less than optimal outcomes, speak like a marketer for a minute, um, have come when we've done things in a silo, you know, where Mm -hmm. we said, okay, let's just spend a little money. And sadly, I'm going to also call out paid content um, where you say, okay, let's go do this thing. And you don't, because it's paid, maybe perhaps we as a team haven't thought about how to leverage it in other ways and how to go back to my original comments about everything working together. And um, because those efforts were disjointed, I think they were disappointing. Um, But, you know, for us, the paid investments typically are the big events, which are working for us. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer in in trying new things, especially this year when we didn't have the big events. Uh, We've had to be much more creative and try investing in some cases in other things. And as a result, um, you know, I consider that part of the test test and learn sort of thing that all marketers, you know, need to do. And with that comes uh, some failures and at least you're learning what not to do next time or, you know, how to improve upon them. So, um, but I would say generally, I mean, I'm a big believer in, making everything work together and therefore any sort of siloed strategy, okay, we'll just give this money to this publication or to this events company and say, please take care of it. That is a, I don't want to say a recipe for disaster, but a, you know, not, not going to be as effective. Uh, I mean, if I, I can just put my comments in here, cause I've done quite a lot around Pacer and we've looked at quite a lot of measurements, which we'll come on to in a minute. And, mm-hmm. and I think I was quite surprised by the poll, um, which said that 55% of of people of, of the audience are actually mainly using um, paid events. Uh, it, that just that seems quite high to me, and I I can say that I I think that uh, it, that marketing does work best. I'm an ex CMO as well, so marketing does work better when you're actually using it across all channels. And if anything, paid for me, I, I'm I'm with both of you actually. Paid for me are big events, big flagpole events, and then you're doing all of your uh, marketing activities around that, including you know your shared and your owned are absolutely pivotal, particularly things like SEO. You know everything is kind of blending in together and working together to raise your profile and build your reputation. And the, the paid events actually give you access. Um, where actually the other three areas can't get you but in my opinion I don't think you should be you should you shouldn't be compromising uh by paying for it because actually I know that the other three areas owned and and shared are harder they they do feel harder but actually I think they yield much stronger results than just sticking twenty five thousand dollars into uh you know an event or an ad or something like that I agree Um, do you think yeah I've had so we, as I mentioned, invest quite a bit to to be at Can Lions. You know, we have a big boat, and you know, we do a couple. Of, we do to Mexico and CES, and now we'll do some things at NAB and and IBC as we're uh, in the uh, CTV space. But those big tentpole events, if you can concentrate your spending there, uh, can build your credibility, your reputation very, very quickly, and sort of signal to the marketplace that uh, you're more sophisticated bigger, more successful than perhaps uh, you are, or that, you know, you've been below the radar for a long time. I and mean, we're a 20 year old company, but once we started to go to these big events and show a strong presence there, people really started to take notice and it built our credibility um, in, a, in a new way, in our reputation in a new way. But some of it is, you know, I look at the, a big paid event like like Can is, uh, is sort of a content marketing platform in a way. Not only are we there and doing meetings and doing panels and inviting people, you know, from TAG, for example, to be on our panels, which you've done in the past. Um, and, you know, so we're producing panels on the boat. We're, we're shooting video. We're creating content while we're there and doing everything we can to leverage that during and after the event. And then while we didn't have a big announcement, it can typically, um, so we, it wasn't like we said, guess what? Smart's going to be a can in a press release. That would have been a, a non-starter. Um, while we were there, 
somebody from uh, Page Six came to one of our panels. And I don't know if this reads well for those outside the U.S., but Page Six is a, a gossip column in the New York Post, and it's got a huge readership. And so while it's not our target publication, of course, um, nor placement, uh, they came, they saw the panel, and then they wrote a thing about yachts at Cannes, included photos of us and, and talked about us in their article. Um, yeah. It's clearly the, the largest distributed piece of PR we've ever gotten. Yeah. Um, so there are these sort of serendipitous things that happen. Um, somebody from a trade shows up on your boat at a party and asks if they can interview you, um, you know, and then they put that out on, on their publication and that's something we didn't pay for, but we were just there and in the mix. And those yeah. things only happen if you're there and you're active and creating those opportunities. So I'm, I'm, and they might have heard about it and shared and there's various things. I have a question here, actually. And we, 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 we've only got about five minutes left. Um, so Martin Williams has asked, and we'll have to just answer this really quickly. Um, it's great fun to try stuff in marketing and failure is inevitable when you try enough things. However, how would the panel recommend small and micro businesses with only one to three people in the marketing team realistically manage or cope with a campaign across all four aspects of PESO? So small company, activating post. So I can have a go at actually doing that first, I would say. Um, so so I, I think if you're a small business, you need to be really careful with your money. So paid has to be really, really well spent. So you need to almost part that separately. And I would say um, your shared and your owned is really pivotal because that's going to help, um, you know, for your customers. If you're doing outbound, you need to make sure they're coming onto your site reading about you. So those two things need to be prioritized. At a later stage, you can do earned, which is PR. Um, but if you're too small, you may, you may have a little bit of earned, but I wouldn't do anything significant. And then your pay would be um you know maybe you've got fifty thousand dollars in the bank and for events and you can pick two or three events across the year that that's personally how i would do it but yeah, i, don't know I think for for small companies in early stages um sometimes your investment in events has to be transactional it's like mm -hmm. did we generate leads did we meet prospects that, that type of thing um but i think I, I'm a big believer in earned. I mean, I worked at a company that had zero marketing budget at one point. I was actually running sales there, but the one investment we did make mm -hmm. was in PR and, you know, really investing in the opportunities that we got through earned media built our credibility very, very quickly. And we sort of, it helped us establish a baseline of expertise that made it much easier when a salesperson finally did get through to a potential buyer. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I've heard of you and I, you're credible on these topics. And so um, if you can afford it, I think it's a great thing, especially in, in developing stages. And then, you know, social, you should always do, I think, uh, you know, shared, I think, you, yeah. Uh, that, that should happen at the, always. But I want to let Vanessa... Uh, Vanessa, yeah, Vanessa, as well. what you say there? I, I think um, what you guys said, absolutely agree, but I also think it's about being smart about your investment if you do choose to do something. Mm -hmm. um, I think, if especially if you're a small business, getting your clients on board to also kind of be your fan people, your cheerleaders as well, um, to help you kind of amplify your name within the market um, in terms of shared media. Um, I think that's also going to be um, a really important string to your bow. Um, so yeah, I would I would leverage all the resources that you currently have, build stronger relationships with your clients um, and try and, you know, ask them for a favor and say, you know, can you share this on Twitter or whatever and try and leverage their audience as well. Yeah, getting great, greater authority. Right, we've literally got a couple of minutes. Um, I just have to ask about measurement. I do have another question from um, the audience, but I'm just going to ask you about measurement, actually, because I think it's really important with Peso. Um, is do you, do you try to measure it? And if so, how? You have 30 seconds. <laughs> we, could, uh, we could spend about 20 minutes talking about Should I try about to do it, the so. fast version? Go so, on. Okay, so we, we try to measure everything individually, of course, because you want to benchmark, did we get more shares, likes, whatever? Did we get more, more leads you know, from anything you're investing in? Did we get more meetings at this event? Did we uh, drive some business uh, outcomes directly from it? But um, we use a proprietary uh, brand awareness score metric that we created ourselves. It's aggregated among a variety of different things that we do. And we at least benchmark ourselves against that. So that's an important thing to do. But in general, I'm, I'm a big believer in measuring what you can but um, I'll quote somebody just because it's, uh, you know, measurable doesn't mean just because it's not measurable doesn't mean it's not valuable. And mm -hmm. so there's a certain amount of sort of gut feeling that comes from some of these things. And uh, 
you know, not everything could be measured and not everything to measure really matters, you know, so I, I would not get too wrapped up in the, uh, in the measurement piece. Sometimes you have to go with gut. It's marketing. Yeah, got it. Absolutely. And Vanessa. Um, what Michael said, but also there's, um, the unmeasurable elements, they sometimes have the biggest impact as well, absolutely. especially if it's something like word of mouth, there's absolutely no way you can measure that. Um, if it's, you know, from CMO to CMO or at some sort of global company, um, you would never be able to measure that. So yeah, again, I wouldn't get too wrapped up about measurements, measure what you can, but I wouldn't kind of get in a tizzy about it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I think we Agreed. are done. Um, any final words? Actually, I'm going to, I could ask, Jen, have we got like one minute to answer this question? Are you I'll give you one minute. <laughs> right. So, so uh, Nanette Lundholm Olsen has said, how can thought leadership and authority be formed when the PESO model is executed correctly? Could you give me some examples of your previous experiences to Vanessa? So um, how can thought leadership and authority be formed when PESO is executed correctly? So I think it's probably going to be around earned quite Ooh. a lot. Um, how can thought leadership and, oh, that's a very good question. I think, well, really it is down to the content and your, your target channel. So let's say you have, you are looking to do more sort of the earn opportunity and you've invested in a couple of, um, publications, um, that would, that hit your audience, then that would be one way for you to kind of increase um, that. But it is also around credibility of your company as well. So through thought leadership, um, through opinion pieces, you're actually building credibility and um, uh, helping your business look uh, more knowledgeable around the area that you want for the business to be known for. Um, so by doing a lot more of these activities, um, you should be able to see a lot more kind of broader types of uh, opportunities come through whether if it's um whether you're if you're looking for business types of opportunities sort of like ceo secrets um you're trying to build up business profiles or if it is uh, more sort of like a specific industry piece on i don't know um, vr gaming let's say um those will come as the business keeps on building you help keep building the credit uh, credibility through um really interesting angle content got it 10 seconds, Michael. Can you do it? 10 seconds. <laughs> Otherwise, Jenny's going to kill me. <laughs> on the same on the same question? Yeah, um, yeah. So thought okay. leadership. Yeah, so, I'm, so when Smart started in the US, which was late in our trajectory, late in the, in the company's life, we had zero reputation in the US. And everybody said, let's go get press. And um, I was fortunate enough to have good counsel and, and to take the time to really invest in thought leadership. So I agree with Vanessa that uh, if you if your messaging is strong and aligned across the different channels um, and then you invest where you need to, um, the things start to work. I mean, the idea is that all these channels you're using in, a, in a, at least to get the same messages across. And in thought leadership, you can establish yourself as, credi as credible. Um, you build your reputation. And then the next time a journalist is really interested in a particular topic, you might actually get a phone call, um, you know, to provide a quote on whatever those areas are that you've established yourself uh, uh, in already. And so it takes time. And I think there's a certain amount of patience. And um, I think anybody who's done marketing, uh, particularly PR, understands that often CEOs, CFOs can be very impatient. I hired a PR firm. Why am I not getting articles? Why am I not getting interviews? It's a long-term investment and it's a critical one for everybody to make. Understood. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, over to Jenny. We've overrun, but I, that was great. Could have kept going. Thank you. I know you all could have kept going. That was really interesting. And, and thanks so much, Michael and, and Vanessa, and of course, Victoria, for sharing your thoughts. And um, I'm sure the audience learned a lot. Um, apparently, I learned that peso is peso is peso. Who knows? But it's an E. So it's potato, potato, Jen. Peso, my dear. Right, I must be wrong. Right, thank you so much. It's time to call Jeremy and Caroline to the virtual stage and a big welcome um, to both of you. I just wanted to um, obviously start with a little introduction from each of you. Um, hello, Jeremy. Nice to see you. And Caroline? Hello, hello. There we are. So maybe just a, a quick 
Uh, intro, uh, Caroline, um, let's start with yourself. Yeah, happy to, to kick off. Um, thanks for, for having me today. Really interesting conversation so far. So I oversee uh, demand generation globally at checkout.com. We're a leading fintech based out of Europe. Uh, you may have heard of us. Um, we're in the world of payments, but previously was a vet from the ad tech world. So very familiar with uh all of you were saying, Michael, earlier around can lions. That's my previous life. Now I hang out at Money 2020. So um, glad to be here. Lovely, Jeremy. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. But you probably have to come off mute first. <laughs> that might help, right? <laughs> lovely to see you jenny lovely to see you caroline uh great conversation um, i run uh, a business called festival of media which creates uh, awards programs and events for the the global ad industry in different parts of the world kind of bringing together everyone and and effectively educating brands on their media knowledge gaps effectively uh, and then i started a new business at the back end of last year which is in the esports world and is connecting brands to esports via benchmarking advisory and awards programs and very quickly my background is from content i was a journalist and editor so i have a slightly different take on on marketing and advertising as a whole Fantastic. Okay, well, Jeremy, we'll stay with you. Apple has announced quite a lot of different changes around um, iOS 14 affecting the conversion events from tools such as, we know, the Facebook Pixel. Um, this is something that many advertisers are now worried about. A lot of our, our customers are talking to us about this. And since apps will have a reduced ability to track site and app behavior via their pixels, how do you feel about this? How do you think you'll adapt to this update? Um, how are you planning to reformulate the way you use ads at Game Face or Festival of Media? Jeremy's stunned by the question. <laughs> it was such a hard question, Jenny. He got stuck on it. It's, all gone. <laughs> it's gone. Well, Caroline, I don't know if, if you wanted to mention something along, along that instead. Yeah, sure. I'm ha happy to to jump in. I, I think it's definitely an interesting one because, um, you know, you have this change happening on the pixel side, right? But at the same time, you've got a shift in the consumer mindset where um, rising consciousness of, um, you know, data and privacy and how that data is being used. Um, and on top of that, there's a growing opportunity, right, for the consumers to want to control um, how, how they can be advertised advertised to, right? So they've got a choice now ever more than before. Um, and at, at the same time, right, you've got um, businesses that are trying to more actively uh, and effectively target those consumers. So how do you sort of marry the two? Um, and I, I think that's where, you know, interestingly enough, what Michael and Vanessa were saying about creating a truly integrated, right, mix between your media channels comes in because effectively, and there's a new use for data, right? We're going to have to, as marketers, be a lot more creative in how um, we can target our audiences in a meaningful way and make sure that we're providing that trust that consumers are looking for. And, and so if anything, right, sure, shit, we have to start thinking about things differently, but an opportunity at the same time to think about um, how we're doing our marketing in a more personalized and creative way. Do you think that that means that therefore brands are just going to invest a little bit more um, in earned instead of paid? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And um, ultimately, it's maybe that, you know, you will never see the end of paid right necessarily. It might be that we use it for a different purpose, right? So um, instead of, for example, using it heavily for direct response and acquisition, right? Um, we might see it as more of a opportunity to stay on the awareness level, right? And earned is an opportunity to create more meaningful direct interactions with people or, um, 
you know, I think actually on the shared side, right, as we open up that new uh, category, if you will, of its own, um, how do you actually leverage, right, your partners and your customers and your networks to do that advocacy work, to really um, invest their right, and, and use that as a pool to accelerate whatever your marketing goal is, whether it's um, acquisition or retention or at conversion, right? You can leverage that mix in a new way than we were doing before. So short answer would be, yeah, I think people will start looking at earn more actively, but also shared, right? And how um, we change the focus away from paid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I think as well, there was something there around the measurement piece as well, which is this, mm. there's also that word of mouth, you know, you see something online and you talk about it in a, in a meeting or down the pub or share it with your team. And there's that, that I think, um, ability to be able to look at things beyond everything that can be measured through the Facebook pixel, for example, to, to understand that there's more, more to it than that. Um, yeah. Jerry, are you, are you back with us? Still on mute though. <laughs> I was chat. I was chatting away, and then realised that uh, my Wi-Fi had gone down. So I'm I'm 4G now. I'm on the phone. So uh, let's right. let's rely on on O2. Will be better than Sky Broadband. I hope. <laughs> Sorry. Everybody. No no product placement involved there. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so <laughs> Jeremy, Caroline, and I were just talking about um, uh, the the Facebook Pixel, the the, the changes from iOS. Um, do you think there's going to be any changes in the way that you're going to be using ads for, for Game Face or Festival of Media? Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, for Festival, because we're like a more established brand and it's been going you know, 15 years, we started to use more and more of our first party data that we had ourselves. So becoming much more relevant and targeted and, and knowing that obviously we'll change things up a little bit because you always want to find that new audience that you haven't quite connected with yet to immerse them into your into your plea new to us we're still trying to kind of spread that that brush a little bit accumulate over the last five months and then making that content just so hyper relevant to them and utilizing the fact that you know it might be content they might not have seen before and really trying to um, gain content from our clients that isn't out there in the in the public ether as it were to make it more relevant and more exciting and, and much more readable if you like so a bigger a bigger focus on the first party data that you've got and then personalizing it which i think is what caroline was talking a little bit around personalization as well and maybe working a little bit harder on on that content and how that message is actually going to go to each audience segment. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really kind of going down that relevant route. I mean, one of the, the key tips I always had, which has always stuck with me, when I first trained as a journalist, we used to have to scour on, on regional newspapers. We had to go through national newspapers on a daily basis and pull out national stories and particular national stories and then work out how we could make those angles relevant for our regional audience. And actually, that's a skill that I've, taken across everything I've ever done since then, whether it be marketing or comms or or sales and, and particularly from a marketing perspective. So it's a kind of, let's look at what's happening in the world. How do you make what you're doing relevant if you can? Obviously, there's people who do things around certain days or certain observation days that are quite clear to look through. But as long as you've got a bit of authenticity behind it, then I think that that makes a huge difference. Hmm. Uh, yeah, perspective, isn't it? Putting putting the, the, the correct perspective on it. Um, what about Caroline? The you know the, the change we were just talking before we, we went live that you know London seems to be picking up. There seems to be a little bit more liveliness and uh, <laughs> in 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 London as the as the old normal seems to be coming back. I mean, how did COVID nineteen um, affect your media strategies? And, and how do you see that now changing as we seem to be coming back to some sort of normality? 
Yeah, definitely. This uh, next normal, if you will, right, that we're going into. Um, you know, I think actually to one of the words that Jeremy used here around authenticity, I think, you know, as I was saying earlier, right, um, we've really been pushed as marketers throughout this pandemic to go back to basics, right, almost have this internal conversation with ourselves of, What's our value as a business? You know, what do we mean to people? What, what's our vision for the world? What are we trying to do? Um, and I think, you know, that pushed us out of our boundaries, right? Using new media, we've tested direct mail more effectively, for example, and finding ways to create, you know, events that are more meaningful, right? I think we historically have done events in a way that is, um, you know, churn and burn, right? There's a model, it works, you put out the content, you do the fireside chat, it's good. Um, but how can we actually change the conversation, right? And respond to people's needs. So I, I think all of those lessons, we're really going to bring them forward into this next normal, right? And um, try to continue on those good habits, if you will, of creating a human connection with our end customers. And, and I think that's true for B2C and B2B. Um, you know, it's how do you, at the end of the day, create something that people want, right? And that um, you're going to create an engagement with them through that message and through the media you're using. Again, it kind of comes back to that personalization of message, doesn't it really? Um, so it's, this, it's it's that kind of theme that we're that we're seeing. Um, Jeremy, you know, events obviously a massive change, but media media strategy. Um, tell us tell us a little bit how the, the the pandemic affected your your media strategy. Yeah, absolutely. We we tried to look at it with a completely different lens. So rather than for instance, an event strategy in the live space and going, right, we'll just take what happens in a live space and put it into the virtual space. We almost started again and said, right, actually, let's create this from scratch. Let's be a bit more creative. We've got a, a new canvas to play with. Let's create something that is purely in the in the virtual space, which will counter for everything. And, you know, I think the big problem is everyone else was in that space as well. So it's like, what do we do that's different to everyone else? So rather than taking a conference into a virtual space, it was like, well, I had their computer for four days, continents to an hour's worth of content on one day, once a week. Right? So just being much more creative the human element which caroline talks about as well is, is super super relevant and and you know i think the key that's not always just about you your product or your service it's about clear handling of what's going on around you around the audiences that you're trying to talk to and, and how you're trying to talk to them so you know you can be seen to have an opinion on things that are relevant in society which might not necessarily directly involve your product or service or you but actually gives you a certain standing with a certain audience which then when you go to actually write about your product and do some content marketing around that people go oh we like them because they've got an opinion on this or because they've done that i think that was that was one thing we we started to change and learn and do more around kind of things that are, are relevant and not just about us and and interestingly the whole human element we did our although the judges and the juries for the Asia Awards and now the Global Awards judging was last week, what came out of it was that nearly all of the campaigns had a social element that either gave back to local communities or gave back to society at large. So there's a real, there's a real need now, I think, more than ever, and the pandemic has accelerated this, of people wanting to give something back, people wanting to do stuff that's not just about them. And I think that's a really relevant tool for marketing going forward. Definitely. The, the ability for brands to connect with something other than just making money, um, which is, you know, I think very important. And as you say, really being pushed by um, COVID, we, we did a webinar on, you know, should brands stand for something? And I think that's something that is pushing and pushing forward um, as, as, we come back to the new normal, hopefully we don't lose that. And I'm not sure that we will. I think that will that will remain, which at least be something good to come out of it, I think. Um, 
in, oh, we've got we've got a question from Facebook. So, Jeremy, at the end of the day, what drives oh, more right. entries for your award programs? Earned, paid, or owned media? It's hmm. a very good question. Um, certainly not paid. I think a bit of owned and earned, to be to be brutally honest. Uh, particularly for uh, festival of media, De- definitely content that's relevant. So, here go. Here's something that's relevant to that. So we. We launched a category four years ago, which was most inclusive campaign. So a campaign that from inception to implementation was inclusive and properly represented society. We did that because the industry then told us that they were creating these inclusive campaigns. The number of entries we got was zero. Um, This year, we did the same category. And to show you how the industry has moved on in a good way, I think we had something like 47 entries into, into that into that category too. But the, what we did is that was mostly about us earning earned media and teaming up with specific partners who are in that inclusivity space. Uh, and actually kind of, you know, I suppose if you like doing the talk, but walking the walk as well, right? And making sure that, you know, from a business we're inclusive, you know, and, and every thing we do, we look at it and think, well, actually, can that help, you know, I mean, back in the live space, we even moved a days of our event from a Monday and Tuesday to a Tuesday and Wednesday so that single parents didn't have to try and find babysitters at a weekend, right, to come on a Sunday. So it's all about and, – and you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to be right, but you just got to kind of learn and, and develop as you go. So it's, it's – yeah, it's really it's really interesting. Owned and, and earned, definitely. I think paid for us – to make paid work is more about us identifying the audience that don't currently enter that should be entering, right? That's the that's the, the the holy grail for us from a paid perspective. And you know, there are tools and ways, as we all know, that you can start to do that in a in a proper way, which is exciting. Definitely, definitely. If we if we look at um the the best ways, Caroline, um, that B2B businesses could spend their paid media budget and in these upcoming months have you got any suggestions there around that yeah definitely I think it goes back as well to that audience targeting that we were talking about um all around you know how can you better identify um who's right in market and you know if that's your acquisition play for example and playing with tools for example with ABM for instance where you can really leverage intent data, right? I think there's a lot of interesting tools out there now like Sixth Sense or Demandbase that really allow you to play with those audiences and test as well as part of that, right? Like your different messages, going back to that personalization and going back to that connection, right? That human interaction and do that in a lot more effective way. And so I think what we are really seeing is B2B marketers starting to really hone in on the ABM play, really looking at account-based because your spend can be a lot more effective, right? And a lot more efficient when um, you're thinking in a focused way about um, where you want to put those dollars and who you want that to go to. So I think that's definitely one area for sure. Um, But when you think, again, more on that tactical basis that we were um, talking about throughout, right? Again, I think uh, for us, direct mail has been a a huge success throughout um, the last um, six to to 10 months. And so how can we continue that? I think for B2B, you know, we can continue to use that as a way to personally craft uh, an experience, uh, tie it back to something else, right? When we were talking about the Pesa model, that flywheel, um, you know, it can all be integrated and that Direct mail really allows you to be um, more personalized, creative, targeted, and and relate back also to, you know, those social needs, right, or the greater good that we were talking about with Jeremy. It's, um, you know, how how can you have those narratives transpire with your tactics as well? So I think we should ask, um, as as, as time is running out, uh, our third poll around that. So, you know, It's the second half of 2021 that people are planning or finished their plans for. Um, Let's have the interactive poll come up. What are your media plans for the second half of of 2021? Options, increase overall investment. Of course, the option to decrease overall investment. Increase the investment in one specific 
type of media or decrease one particular um, type of media investment. Um, Caroline, while people are answering this poll, I'll go to you. Mm, it's uh yeah, it's it's definitely a tricky question. Um I, I think check out personally, we're in a fortunate position that we're in a, a very fast growth environment. We we've been um the lucky ones, if you will, to, to get to ride the wave of uh, the growth in e-commerce and, and getting to um, increase our investment, which we're going to continue to do uh, on a local and, and global basis. Um, but with the intention to have that investment go um, into the right places. So really test, iterate on those four um Four pillars of, of the PESA model and, and really thinking about, as I was saying, right, you know, where are we going to get the best return and the mm -hmm. most meaningful engagement from people? So increase investment, but in a meaningful way. In a good way. <laughs> yes. <exactly. laughs> Jeremy, are you in line? Are you in line with this? It seems everybody is increasing either overall in, or in one specific type of media. Um, what, what about Game Face? What about Festival of Media? Yeah, absolutely. For, for, for both of those, uh, we're looking at kind of increasing what we do, particularly as everything starts to pick up uh, around the globe and restrictions are starting to ease and more people are looking to invest in marketing as a, as a tool. And I think, you know, it's a, a great opportunity to help kind of, I suppose, expand what you're doing and, and get the word out there of what you're doing and, and and brand building effectively. I think now's a, a good time to start doing that, particularly the second half of 2021. And, I, you know, we've been, you know, fairly cautious in terms of what we've done up until now. And it's meant we've got a little bit more in the pot that we can utilise for, for the rest of the year and, and help drive 2022 because our, our kind of cycle with festival starts again um, in October. So ready for 2022. So, um, yeah, exciting. Yeah, well, that's 100% then, 100% looking to increase wow. in the second half. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Great news. Uh, very positive. And then, of course, the difference between overall or, or one specific type of media and obviously the same for, for both our panellists, Caroline and Jeremy, as well. So really, really positive there. So that's fantastic. <laughs> but coming up to the end now. So I just wanted to, to, to go to both of you for some quick fire bullet points on really your three top <laughs> tips. Um, Jeremy, what are your three top tips for media experts? Okay, my, my first one is, and it's an obvious one, but is, is great content. But hear me out, great content by using resources that you might not think about. So if you've got clients, asking them things that they haven't been asked before around the industry and giving you some insights into things. So, you know, what has affected them this year? Similarly, to what you do with your poll, but asking your clients that and drawing out something a bit deeper. So you've got some really high base. It doesn't even have to be your company as the, as the thought and ambassadors. Uh, definitely looking at how you can have a human touch and a human element and give something back. You know, don't just do it for the sake of it. Do something that has meaning um, and just making it relevant, right? I know it's an obvious thing to do, but... Just, just be relevant. There's so there is still so much noise, and if anything, the pandemic has accelerated the noise in the in the digital space. So, just trying to find a way to cut through that and, and be relevant. Great. We've got an anonymous question, so I'm going to oh, shoot. that one in. <laughs> Her three top tips. So, anonymous question. Who knows who that is? But sometimes earned, paid, and or owned media work together, and it's not always possible to put every piece of media in one of the categories. Do you have examples of how to combine multiple types in practice? <laughs> Mm. Jeremy's chuckling, so I'll cancel it away, Jeremy. We're just worried about your connection. No, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, I, you know, I could give you a quick one before Caroline does it while she, while she has. Yeah. Uh, so she's probably got some more examples than me. But for, for Game Face, for example, we, we actually used all of them. We created uh, a really cool piece of content around um, our judges for our awards programme. And we amplified that. We we used um, the 
esports journalists that we were friends with to write a piece around kind of one part of it. So we used inclusivity because inclusivity in esports is is lacking, as, as I'm sure Vanessa will tell you from her gaming experience. So we kind of honed in on a topic which was inclusivity. We pushed that out there with a with a category we are producing. So we used earned, owned, um, and and paid to to amplify. And that post is probably one of our best performing pieces of content actually and it really drove people to get in touch with us and actually the company we partnered with are now doing a series of events with one of the big um, publishing titles in the esports sector on the back of it so you know not just for us but they also got a benefit out of it as well which is really exciting fantastic caroline any examples did you want to give us your three top tips Ooh, yeah, I'll try to condense everything in the next 30 seconds. Um, I, I think actually they tie in together because one tip is really relying on advocacy. And so I think that's one where, um, you know, you can really stretch that into so many different content types, first of all, in terms of your mediums you're using, um, but also throughout your different medias, right? It's 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 great for paid, it's great for events, great for podcasts, and um, it's great for, for uh, PR. So there's so many ways that you can leverage advocacy. Um, and I actually think that that is a big tip is um, go back to those basics, go into your advocacy pool of your current customers, uh, really use them as your um, amplifiers and, and see how they can tell the story. Um, but I, I think my uh, last two tips would be, you know, remember that human connection, uh, think about that personalization and, and stay creative and curious. I, I think that is really the essence of marketing in the first place, but we, we tend to forget those um, basic lessons. Fantastic. So if I summarize, we need to think about all the different data points that we've got, try and be different, creative in where we can find data, how to deliver messages, to personalize, and remember that not everything is measurable. I think I've summarized everything. We're out of time. I'm going to say say a big thank you to Caroline, Jeremy, Vanessa, Michael, and Victoria. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you to everyone who joined and we'll send out the link to everyone so they can watch it all over again. Thanks again and we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.